Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Don't go anywhere. On Balance is next. Good night. We've seen them go after gas stoves, air conditioning units with regulation, refrigerators, washing machines, dishwashers, now water heaters. It's how energy efficient appliances will turn Barbie's dream house into a Christmas nightmare. Up in smoke, federal regulators say they want to ban some of the world's most popular cigars. How the plan predictably hurts the poorest among us and why the FDA focuses on cigars rather than fix drug shortages. Pizza oven prohibition. How politicians obsessed with carbon emissions might put your favorite pizza joint out of business. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. We're tackling one of our favorite topics, government regulations. We've branded it, quoting Ronald Reagan, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Whether it's the crackdown on home appliances, overspending on office furniture, or an attempt to ban cigars, The government has shown repeatedly that it wants to have a say in your life, whether you like it or not. I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. We welcome you to a new segment inspired by Ronald Reagan. I am from the government and I am here to help. Of course, we've covered new regulations designed to save you. From light bulbs, stoves, cars, water heaters, air conditioners, schools, and now we can add cigars. The Food and Drug Administration wants to essentially ban flavored cigars, which is about half of the entire cigar market. And these aren't high-end Monte Cristos, or in my case, Macanudos that I enjoy smoking, or Ashton's. They tried that, too, to ban them. But a judge just blocked an FDA rule to regulate premium cigars, you know, the kinds that only the 1% get to enjoy. The government says this latest push is all about protecting the health and safety of young Americans. But an op-ed from our partners at The Hill contradicts this idea. Quote, the FDA's own statistics acknowledge that less than 1% of youth smoke flavored cigars. Industry experts will tell you it's a moot point because young people are still smoking flavored e-cigarettes. We tried to ban those two. We actually did ban them, but they're being still sold at a gas station near you, albeit illegally. As usual, the real losers here are the poorest, the least fortunate among us. They can't afford to import their cigars from South America, like the coastal elite. And reasonable people can agree tobacco, if used, can be deadly, can cause lung cancer. But it seems only the rich now get to make that choice for themselves. For regular cigar smokers, the government is here, and they are here to help. David Osgo is with us, president of the Cigar Association of America. So fair to say you've got some skin in the game here on, on, on this one. Why is it that they want to ban flavored cigars, but only, and admittedly they lost, regulate the premium ones? Uh, sure. Well, the rationale in this case is that somehow they're going to reduce uh, the use smoking, use smoking rates. Now, I want to make it clear. Obviously, the industry is completely against uh, youth smoking. However, when you look at the data, it really just doesn't support the case. In order for the cigar, in order for the Food and Drug Administration to ban flavored cigars, uh, they're required to do a number of things. Uh, First off, they need to, their decisions are supposed to be science-based regulatory decisions. Well, as you just mentioned, just last week, A federal court judge ruled that when it came to premium cigars, they did not do that. Now, when we look at the regulations that they've proposed or the banning of flavored cigars, uh, we don't believe that they're going to be able able to make that case either. It hasn't 
stop them from trying. You think about the baby formula shortage, monkeypox testing, monkeypox vaccines, child nicotine, COVID-19, Tylenol shortage, Adderall shortage, obviously the, the penicillin shortage uh, that we've covered um, extensively. Or maybe it's not fair. I don't know. You know the regulation world better than I do. Is there a, a tie between sort of what the FDA is focused on when it comes to cigars versus these other issues, or is it different parts of the agency? Uh, it's really the same part of the, the agency. Uh, however, uh, obviously, uh, we're the Cigar Association of America, but unfortunately, when it comes to a lot of these issues, we get tied into a, a lot of them. I have to say, we like to say that the uh, proposed ban on flavored cigars is really a solution in search of a problem. Because, as you mentioned earlier, when you look at the data across the country, youth usage rates are at all-time lows. And, in fact, they... But, but isn't... To be fair, though, look, the idea of kids under the age of 18 smoking cigars, we can think, is a, is a bad idea because of all sorts of reasons. We can all agree on that. I know you said the industry agrees on it as well. Is it, is it too far of a step to say, okay... Maybe not ban all of the cigars, but there has to be some additional regulations because, as we pointed out, you can buy this stuff at any 7-Eleven. Kids get addicted to it. Flavored cigars is the entry, is the entry point now for so much of this that there's, that there's more to be done. Well, that's just it. Flavored cigars were really not an entry point. Uh, when you, again, the usage rates are so low uh, that it really is not the next step. All right. There we go. Uh, as we said, thank you very much. As we said, this is part, you're the beginning of our new segment here from the government and here to help. So that's edition one. If you know of an issue where the government is here and trying to help, share us examples on social media, on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Leland Vittert, Instagram, at Leland Vittert as well. David, thank you very much. Thanks for Good having to see me. You. Appreciate it. Thank you. Federal workers ever return to the office, they're going to have some very nice new furniture to sit on if they ever make it to the office. OpenTheBooks.com exposed purchases for these $237,960 solar-powered picnic tables for the CDC or these $120,000 luxurious Ethan Allen leather recliners for the U.S. Embassy in Islamabad. This all happened during the pandemic when almost all of the federal staff worked from home. While federal workers were working from home, the government spent a combined $3.3 billion of our money on new furniture. Live pictures of Washington, D.C., where many federal office buildings still sit empty. Government Accountability Office report shows agency headquarters are somewhere between 9 and 35% utilized. In other words, less than half of the office space is being utilized, way less. Downtown D.C. businesses continue to close because federal workers that bought food and shopped there and went out to dinner, went to the gym, well, they don't come to the office anymore. But don't worry, there is some really nice furniture awaiting there, awaiting their return, currently gathering dust. The Department of Transportation used just 9% of its office space, but spent a combined $55 million on furniture. Department of Agriculture, 9% of its office space as well, $57 million on furniture. The Government Services Administration, 9% usage, $308 million for furniture. See, this is not a new problem. This all happened during the pandemic, but this problem has gone on for a long time. In fact, Ronald Reagan explained it all the way back in 1964. No government ever voluntarily reduces itself in size. So government programs once launched never disappear. Actually, a government bureau is the nearest thing to eternal life we'll ever see on this earth. And now they have nicer furniture. If the employees ever come back to work, they will see it. There's sort of a parallel here to problems with the Biden administration's dream house when it comes to their plans to regulate all of our appliances. They want to make all of our appliances, gas stoves, air conditioners, dishwashers, refrigerators, water heaters, and more energy efficient. And in the Biden dream house, homeowners, well, they don't go bankrupt and can still afford their homes. They will be paying an extra $9,000. That's on top of a higher mortgage because of interest rates. Executive Director of the Alliance for Consumers, O.H. Skinner, is with us now. It's good to see you. I appreciate that. All right, so the, the argument is, yes, all of these appliances cost so much more, but 
Uh, number one, they save the environment and, and solve global warming, which keeps us all alive, important. And number two, they're supposed to save us on all of our energy costs. Is that calculated in all of these numbers? That's not calculated in the numbers because we're looking at what consumers have to pay today. And one of the things okay. that is the most, most misunderstood in all of this is at the same time that they're trying to make you buy more efficient appliances, they're also imposing energy mandates that drive up the cost of your electricity. And if you want to understand what that looks like, just look at a place like California where energy costs are the highest in the country. But, you know, what we really wanted to do here was make a salient illustration of what consumers are feeling. You know, pundits talk about uh, executive overreach or administrative burden. This isn't a rule here or an overreach there. It's a full court press to change your entire house and make you buy things that progressives would like you to buy and not have you have the option and just impose well, yeah, on you yeah, yeah. progressive lifestyle choices. Yeah, I guess to be fair, I mean, it's one thing to pay more for a water heater or a dishwasher or a gas stove or whatever if it if it worked as well and saved the environment was cheaper. I'm, I'm wondering, and, and I say this because I'm experiencing it, um, move to a new apartment, and there's a very fancy energy-efficient dryer. It's supposed to save three times the energy of the past dryer, um, except you've got to run it three times. The dishwasher, you've got to run twice, and it's supposed to use less yep. water. Is that a re am I just imagining that, or it's a real thing? No, that's 100% true. We're reaching the point where they're, they're telling you that you have to use half as much water and half as much electricity in your dishwasher. And what does that mean? Your dishwasher has to run for three hours, or you have to run it twice, or you have to put three pods into it. But, you know, lots uh. of consumers wrote in to talk about how the new rules were counterproductive because they were hand-washing every dish before they put them in their dishwasher. So you're paying more for something you didn't want but what you did want has been removed from the market by a ban by the government. And then you're having to deal with the fact that it costs more and does a worse job. Okay, I, I got, I, I, we got 10 seconds. We gave the list of all the things that's currently regulated. What's next? They're going to basically try to change your cars so that nobody can drive a gas-powered car anymore. Uh, that's what's next on the horizon. But it's basically every single right. thing you use every day, they want to take away. You heard it here first. OH, thank you very much. We'll, we'll have you back for sure. Next, unplugged why the cancellation of a $5 billion deal could spell the end of electric vehicles before they ever even took off. Plus, pay up. Your car now comes with a monthly subscription fee. What you're going to end up paying for things like heated seats per month. Democratic presidential candidate in waiting, Gavin Newsom, loved showing off his $160,000 electric vehicle during an overseas trip to China earlier this week. He wants EVs to save the world, evidently, from climate change. It's time to move forward with an oil-free future in California. We see that bright light, and California is going to make sure we ignite it for the rest of the globe. Unfortunately for Gavin and the future of electric vehicles, automakers and consumers just don't see it that way. Ford just became the latest automaker to postpone its $12 billion investment in electric vehicles postponed. This is a day after Honda and General Motors pulled the plug on a $5 billion joint venture they announced just a year ago they would make EVs more affordable. Not so fast. You also may remember earlier this year, Ford announced an ambitious plan to roll out new EVs before realizing over the summer nobody wanted them. They weren't selling. This is all despite President Biden's big investment of our money, $7.5 billion into charging stations, $10 billion into clean transportation, $7 billion into battery components, and expanding tax credits for all electric vehicles. Jim Meggs is here, senior fellow for the Manhattan Institute. Uh, look, Corporations like to make money. They like to make things that sell. Is there any explanation for them pulling the plug on all these projects other than EVs don't sell? 
That's the explanation. You know, for at least 15 years, car makers have been talking about this electric future, partly because they want to be in sync with the U.S. government and European governments that that want them to go in this direction, and partly listening to some of the people on Wall Street who've been pushing more green investments. But none of this really works if the customers don't show up. Disadvantages of EVs. And look, I I borrowed my sister's Tesla for a while. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. So I, I when somebody puts a picture of me online after the segment says, "Hey, you drove a Tesla?" I did. I enjoyed it. But it's pretty. There's some issues, right? Limited range, which is an enormous one. Um, if you want to take it on a road trip, it's a real pain in the neck. Longer charging time, battery degradation, EV climate control, uh, in-car electronics failures, charging station infrastructure. A lot of people are saying that other than the Tesla charging stations, they're just not working. This is what I want to talk to you about, though. The current electrical grid transmission capacity, even even those on the left who are EV enthusiasts will tell you uh, that America's infrastructure isn't ready for electric vehicles. And I guess what I'm wondering is, what's going to happen with the the force of wanting electric vehicles to come online? Um, and at some point, I guess what? The Biden administration just keeps subsidizing them and a lack of charging infrastructure. An electrical infrastructure. Well, it's not just charging infrastructure. It's also the power grid itself. You know, if we're really going to electrify everything, as a lot of climate activists uh, want us to do, we're going to need to double our supply of electricity by 2050. And a lot of the things that the same people who are pushing for electric cars are also pushing for a grid that runs almost entirely on wind and solar, which actually makes the grid less reliable. So we're hmm. coming to kind of a moment of truth here where we're creating new demand for the grid without really uh, building the power capacity that we need to to power all these uh, these cars in particular, but also heat pumps, stoves, all these other things that, that they want to run on electricity. All right. So, Jim, I guess the other issue here, right, is that at some point you can just mandate all this stuff and or you can subsidize it to the point that people will be, you know, OK, fine. If you want to essentially give me an electric car, make it half the price of a of a gas-powered car, whatever it is, um, then what happens? Well, the, the problem is that even with generous subsidies and these mandates to try to reduce the uh, sales of internal combustion, you know, gas and diesel vehicles, they're still not catching on. They're, I mean, don't get me wrong. EVs are great for the people who like them, it's, and and sales have been, until very recently, have been growing rapidly. But for most people, it's a second car or a third car. It's kind of a luxury statement that's wonderful yeah. around town if you if you can charge it at home. Uh, but it is, uh, it, as you say, it's not very convenient for for most people in the country the way they use their cars right now. So at the price they are, most people can't afford a $53,000 second car that they're not actually going to drive as much as their primary gasoline-powered car. And it says a lot that now you're seeing sort of the attempt to make EVs more affordable, if you will, more more purchasable for first cars. Uh, people are saying no because they, they have the other issues um, involved. This is a great conversation. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good weekend. You too. Companies think they can be just like Apple, Netflix, your cable provider, even cell phone company. They want you to pay by the month. And I'm not talking about a monthly car payment. They want you to pay for your monthly car payment. But once you buy the car, they want you to pay for subscriptions for all the cool features. Take a look. Did you know that it is now possible to equip your BMW with additional features and functions over the air? Here is an example, the BMW High Beam Assistant. It switches to High Beam automatically. Press the button and you will see that you can easily upgrade your BMW. At the Connected Drive Store, you are able to order the High Beam Assistant. That's BMW highlighting subscription features and functions you can add to their luxury vehicles with a cost. Latest bells and whistles for your new car are available, again, like you subscribe to Netflix, Amazon Prime. And automakers are embracing subscription models to unlock everything. You want the latest entertainment options? Pay up. Enhanced hands-free driving? Pay up. Heated seats? Pay up. Theft Theft detection systems? Just pay. 
So the car company can tell that you're being ripped off. These car subscriptions have an average cost of $135 a month on top of your regular monthly payments. 75% of buyers say they don't want features locked behind subscriptions when they purchase a car. Who are the other 25%? Well, they are the people who are making a lot of purchases at Tom Maoli's car dealerships, sells luxury cars, and joins us now. Uh, all right. I, first of all, like, who can blame the car companies? They're just trying to, to make a buck here. What I think is so interesting right. about this, it's being so just do it over the air, otherwise known as things that could come included with your car. How, how much of this is figuring out that the consumer is, uh, shall we say, price conscious? How much of this is that at the same time, the prices of new cars have gone up so much, this is the only way for automakers to sort of raise prices without raising the sticker price? Leland, it's an interesting, how you doing? But it's, it's an interesting concept. And, you know, everybody's trying to be Apple. That's what's going on. Everybody's trying to get a subscription and a monthly fee. But the reality of it is, is car payments have gone from, you know, the average of three to $350 a month. They're now seven and $800 a month. The consumer only has so much bandwidth and they're not buying into it. You know, it's some consumers are buying into it. Like you said, 25%. But I have to tell you, most of them don't want it. And it's actually it's actually in, insulting uh, for the consumer because, you know, high beams, you're going to charge me to put high beams on automatically. I mean, these are things that historically were added to the car to get the consumer to come in and buy it. And now we're going to charge them for everything. You know, when you push your power seats, uh, you know, you're, you're going to cost you money. I, I mean, it's 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 kind of bizarre. And, you know, I don't know where the whole thing is going, but I think this all revolves around the whole electrical vehicle market, which we've discussed a thousand times, me and you. You know, it's failing. It's it's crumbling at the seams. It's it it's the biggest political blunder since Vietnam. And, you know, it's it's costing consumers billions of dollars. And the car companies are pushing this all back to the consumer. And I don't know why the White House doesn't see this. You think about average new car and used car prices, used car uh, up to $27,000, new car up to $48,000. Okay, so the car companies are still making money on the on the gas-powered cars. It's the electric cars right. that they're having problems making that money on. Does the subscription-based service make up for that? Is that the idea? Well, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get a subscription-based service where they have monthly income coming in because, you know, as as the market is is trying to push these electric vehicles, which is failing, you know, they're losing revenues. You know, Ford had record profits, you know, every, the last two quarters. But when you look at what they lost on the electrical vehicle market, it almost broke even. So they got to come up with a way to make some money. And this is what they're trying to do. And, you know, what they're doing is they're beating the consumer on the head. And, and I don't know why the White House and the Biden administration doesn't see any of this, but they think they have this agenda for electric vehicles and it's failing. It's not only failing because it's not a, it, the, the, the adoption is not there, but the consumers, the cost to the consumers has almost tripled to own an automobile, which is, you know, in some cases a luxury, but it's really a necessity. People need to get around. They need to get their children to school. They need to get to work. And it's a necessity. Yeah. You can't stop. Yeah, you can't stop transportation. And, you know, the cost just continues to go up. Yeah. And gas prices now uh, seasonally, which is sort of how you have to measure things now are a 10 year high. So if this continues, yes. they're go to go to record highs. And, and still, as you point out, Tom, the EVs are still sitting there. Good to see you as always, right. my friend. Thank you. For all the talk about wanting to improve the lives of Americans, the president still hasn't found time to support the people of East Palestine. The message he's sending by avoiding a visit to Ohio. When disaster strikes in America, things usually get worse for a couple of days. Think hurricanes, tornadoes, mass shootings, and the like. It takes a few days for the federal government to get organized and rush help to the area. Normally about the time the president shows up for his visit, things start to look better. And that pattern continues in East Palestine, Ohio. It's been 168 days and things continue to get worse. East Palestine, Ohio has not gotten their presidential visit. Jessica Kennard lives in East Palestine. She wrote an op-ed in Newsweek, quote, President Biden, come to East Palestine and bring FEMA with you. If you take action now, you can save lives. If you delay, then people will die. We know the cancer clusters are coming. It's hard to argue with her. Just this week, independent testing found that the EPA denied 
The East Palestine soil now contains roughly 500 times the amount of cancer-causing dioxins as nearby towns. Co-author in East Palestine, resident Jessica Canard is with us now. Jessica, boy, I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Um, the White House would argue, look, the president understands what's going on here. He's told the federal government to help, on and on and on. What, what difference does it make to you whether he visits or not? I guess if you're coming, let's bring some federal funding because there's a lot of cleanup that still needs to happen here. While the investigation continues as to why this has occurred, um, there are still victims that are bleeding at the crime scene. Um, we're talking about nosebleeds, you know, respiratory illness, um, all, so- all sorts of different things, eye infections. Um, I, 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 just, I wanna, great, since, you, since you brought up sort of how people are suffering right now, this is what you wrote. And it, it is graphic, but it's important to understand. We are literally still bleeding. Our bodies have suffered from nosebleeds, headaches, respiratory illnesses, uh, in intestinal irritability and eye irritation. Community members are now experiencing neurological symptoms and rectal bleeding, enough for blood transfusions. I, 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 I'm trying to understand the disconnect because both the EPA and the Secretary of Transportation, the EPA administrator, all showed up in East Palestine after the disaster. Our cameras were there and they said, hey, Everything's fine. Water's safe. Air's safe. We can't detect anything. How do you explain all of these symptoms? There is certainly a disconnect, and these symptoms are not ubiquitous to prior to the derailment, and I think that that's really important to recognize. We have a rail company that expeditiously laid tracks onto poisoned soil, and I would really like to see that same urgency applied to getting the indoor home monitoring and health screenings that we desperately need. Hmm. Declaring an emergency in this area would open up those vital resources so that we can get back into our homes and feel like a community again. All right. And there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not President Biden is going uh, to come or not. He's been asked about it a lot. Here's just some of those times. Take a listen. I've spoken with every official in Ohio, Democrat and Republican, and I will be on He's planning to go there at some point. That that point just hasn't come. Uh, Biden's trips to East Palestine uh, Biden's trips since the East Palestine disaster, February 20th to Ukraine, to Virginia Beach, Delaware, Colorado Springs, the I-95 bridge collapse uh, that he, he went to and actually announced the bridge was going to reopen, California for a climate change announcement with Gavin Newsom, Lithuania for the NATO summit, Finland, Nordic Leaders Summit. Uh, Columbiana County, where East Palestine is, voted for President Trump 71.1 to 26.8. Do you think he's not coming and the federal funds aren't coming because it's a red county and he either doesn't care or is trying to punish you? I mean, I think that when he took the office of presidency, he decided to be president for all the people. I shouldn't have to suffer just because my neighbor voted for one person or the other. This isn't about politics. This should be a bipartisan effort. And in a time that demands unity, I think that's what we really need to take a look at. President Biden is our president, whether you like it or not. And we need him to declare an emergency for this area in order to get the resources that we so desperately need. Yeah, and in the end, it may be uh, helping so many folks uh, move out of East Palestine, as, as you describe it, in terms of what, what the situation is there. Jessica, we're going to check back in. Obviously, we've been following this. And uh, boy, boy, how lucky are the people there to have you uh, as an articulate advocate for them. Thank you. I really think that it does set a precedent for the entire America people. When you have uh, an issue such as this, this could happen in your area. And to know that you have that security that the president and that the federal funding will be there for you, I think that's really important to note. That train derailment in East Palestine was 327 days ago, nearly a full year. Still President Biden has yet to visit the residents there. Jessica Conrad tells me she believes President Biden could even sign the emergency declaration and that East Palestine continues to experience medical concerns and needs help for relocation and home air testing and says that those situations and the people there are not okay. Coming up, it's a conspiracy theory. Well, but it's actually not a conspiracy theory anymore. New York actually banned gas stoves. New York State Senator tells us what more is to come. 
Coming up next. This New Year's Eve party with the Partridge family. Enjoy 20 back-to-back episodes featuring all their greatest hits. The Party with the Partridge family marathon. December 31st, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on Antenna TV. For some children, a single surgery can turn an untreated cleft into a smile for life. But at Smile Train, we understand that most children need a little extra care. They need medical, dental, and emotional resources to grow healthy and strong, to express themselves clearly, and to navigate all of life's challenges so that their smiles light up the room as brightly as possible. Visit SmileTrain.org to learn how Smile Train is supporting the cleft community with lifelong smiles. Hello, I'm Chuck Reddick, Commissioner of the Internal Revenue Service. We're working hard to get ready for tax filing season. You know who else is working hard? Identity thieves. Keep your computers and your mobile phones secure. Use antivirus software and strong passwords. Look out for email scams. Secure your home Wi-Fi with a password. Stay safe when you shop online. Look for HTTPS in the web address. See irs.gov for details. Tremfiant. Ask your doctor about Tremfia. AG1 works by obsessing over potency, absorbency, and nutrient density to help your body get the most out of everything we put in. Get the foundational nutrition you need at drinkag1.com. This guy again. Pops. Hey, son. You got a little something on your face. Needed a quick shave. Quick shave? Respect the process. It ain't my dad's razor, dad. It's from Gillette Labs. Gillette Labs? Gillette's ultimate shaving experience. This green bar releases trapped hairs from my face. Game changer. While the flex disc. Are you prepared for an emergency or disaster? Because it's not a matter of if, but when. Don't find yourself saying, (laughs) When the storm rolls in, my time to find a pet-friendly evacuation center will have run out. The scorching heat wave will leave me powerless to cool my insulin. I'll face a hurricane without meds. Now that's a tough pill to swallow. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Get started at ready.gov slash older adults. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, Operation Lifesaver here. Today, we're going to find out what delivery drivers know about railroad safety. What do you do if your vehicle gets stuck on the railroad tracks? Get out of the car. Correct. Do you take the pizza? No, then I call my boss. No, then you call the number on the blue and white ENS sign. And tell them I'm stuck in the Crescent ID number. Exactly. Remember, get out, get away. Find the blue and white sign to save your life. Leave the pizza. See tracks? Think train. For more information, go to OLI.org. Son of a Critch has moved to Thursday. What is happening? It's the hit series from the producer of Shit's Creek and Change. Smells like puberty to me. Is in the air. Thursdays on the CW. Great eight. I'm stoked. A whole new school year has begun. I can skateboard now. Wanna try? Oh, no, thank you. But Mark Critch. I don't skate or ride a bike. I'm not into transactions. Is not coming in hot. New Year, same door. Son of a Critch. All new Thursdays at 8, 7 central on the CW. Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We go through safety training and try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. On one. Tonight, when you go to cook dinner over a gas stove, be glad you still have one. What was once all the rage over celebrity chefs, it could be extinct. Even though back in January, the Biden administration said it would never happen. Remember, the, the conspiracy theories about a possible ban back in January was just right-wing cuckoo talk. And the White House said as much. Take a listen. The president does not support uh, banning gas stoves, and the Consumer Product Safety Commission, which is independent, uh, is not banning gas stoves. So I just want to be very clear on that, on that. Fast forward a few months, New York slipped it into its budget that it just passed, a ban on gas stoves in new buildings starting in 2026. With that, we bring in State Senator Jabari Brisport, uh, who voted for it. Senator, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you. I, I, I get the 
I, I get the idea here, right, is that gas, natural gas and burning gas stoves causes problems and uh, increasing asthma for kids and, uh, nat, you know, want to reduce greenhouse gases and all that. What I'm wondering was is why, if it's so important, why slip it into the budget? It's controversial. Why not just have a clean up and down vote on it? Well, this is something that we do commonly in New York, which is to put progressive and good legislation for working class people into the budget and would stress that this not only improves air quality for working class people um, across New York, but also cost savings. And just want to also stress that no one is coming for your gas stove. This is for newly constructed buildings. Yeah, no, I, I understand that 2026, 2027, uh, it changes. Uh, but I, I, can you understand people's skepticism? Because back in January, when the talk of gas stoves came up, everybody said, oh, there's going to be no ban. This is just a conspiracy theory. The New York Times said as much as well. And now four months later, it's happening. Why shouldn't people think that if it's as valuable and important as you say, that coming for your gas stoves might happen next year or the year after? Well, it's not a ban. Come 2026, no one comes into your house and takes your gas stove. But if you are a developer wanting to build a new building under seven stories, you must build it all electric. Right. No, I, I get that. But do you, do you understand people's skepticism that we were told back in January there weren't going to be any bans? Now there is one. It was voted on in a budget that nobody really understood that that was in the budget. Uh, at least the media didn't. And now all of a sudden you go, well, OK, there won't ever be a ban. We're not ever going to come for your gas stoves. But that could change, right? Well, well, no. If you have a gas stove in your in your house, it will stay in your house. If you're moving into a newly constructed building built after 2026, it'll be all electric, which will save you money and also improve your air quality. Yeah, no, I, I, I get I get what the bill says now. Joe Manchin, this is a recipe for disaster. Democrat uh, certainly talks about working class families. The federal government has no business telling American families how to cook their dinner. I can tell you the last thing that would ever leave my house is the gas stove that we cook on. Uh, to be fair, he represents West Virginia, not not New York that, that you do. And it's a, it's a state issue. I, I guess I think about the issue of so many people moving out of New York, uh, New York State specifically, and, and what's happened during the pandemic in the city. Um, do you worry at all that, that these kinds of sort of intrusions into people's personal lives and decisions about stoves might might send more people packing? Well, you know, the number one reason that people move out of New York is because they cannot afford the rents because the rents have gone too high. And what we have seen in studies is that uh, newly constructed single family homes that are all electric are actually cheaper to construct than um, newly built fossil fuel homes. And again, can't stress enough, this is a cost saving. It'll save on energy costs and improve health outcomes for residents. Okay, uh, New Yorkers, uh, the poll that we just had up on this, um, and I I think it's uh, support the ban, 39%, oppose it, 53%. Um, Again, if this is something that you could sell to the people, why put it into a budget and a vote on it like that rather than just have a clean bill about it? Well, we're also on obligations to meet certain climate requirements to stave off climate catastrophe. And um, I would love to double check that poll because when you call it a ban, people think you're coming to take the gas stove out of their home, which is not what this bill does. Polls often are based on how you ask the question. You get any answer you want. Um, We appreciate you coming on, sir, uh, and and being willing to come on and talk about it. We emailed every senator who voted for this, uh, and you were the one who was willing to come on and defend it. We admire that, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. The war on fossil fuels is turning into the war on the middle and lower middle class in America. Latest examples, a new policy outlawing almost all portable gas generators. This is particularly cruel for the tens of millions of Americans living in the southeast. Gas generators are a lifeline during hurricanes. Power outages are unpredictable. And no matter what the cause, they can leave your family in the dark for an extended period of time, leaving you without access to air conditioning, heat, refrigeration, and the ability to communicate with friends and loved ones. But when you have a Generac Automatic Home Standby Generator... You and your family stay safe and comfortable until utility power returns. Those with big, fancy houses and the super-efficient propane or natural gas generators advertised on television, they're just fine. Those goes for tens of thousands of dollars. But millions of Americans in the path of hurricanes every year count on the portable generators to run a fan, charge their phone, maybe a small refrigerator. There's people right now in those pictures that you would be watching who were using portable gas 
generators. It's the only hope they have for weeks. However, those will now be outlawed. Join us now, Newsweek's Deputy Opinion Editor, Bacha Unger Sargon. I think you've been promoted, right? Did you, Deputy? I have. I am the opinion editor. You now you are the Correct. opinion editor. Okay, even better. <laughs> um, we'll, update, we'll, we'll, we'll update the script. All right, are we on to something here? That the middle class is the one who's suffering the most in all this, the, the push to green? Absolutely, Leland. You're the only person who ever points this out, and I'm so grateful to you for doing so. Um, the thing is, look at who is behind this huge climate agenda. It's billionaires. It's Bezos. It's Bloomberg. It's John Kerry flying around in a private jet. And when a reporter says to him, sir, you just arrived to accept a climate award in a private jet. He looks at him in horror and says, me? Fly coach? Never, right? right? This is the new indulgence. This is the new class warfare that not just the elites, but the super rich are waging against the working class and the middle class. And the thing is, they get to act like heroes while making the poor poor and making themselves richer. And making the poor pay so much more for everything. More for electric cars, more for water heaters. A, now you have to buy an electric induction stove. You can't just have a gas right. stove, on and on and on. Uh, the, the new thing um, that was uh, now cars, it's so much harder to get a car under $30,000. Uh, the new thing is not only generators, but water heaters. Green Jean-Pierre was asked about that today. Take a listen. We've seen them go after gas stoves, air conditioning units with regulation, refrigerators, washing machines, dishwashers, now water heaters. How many more home appliances will Americans eventually have to replace? So just to be clear, when it comes to water heaters, and uh, it is a... it is, uh, it is proposed, what has been put forward. Uh, and if it, it is enacted, it would not take it into effect until 2029. So let's not forget that. Uh, so we want to make sure that we have the facts out there. And uh, if and when it is enacted, it's going to help consumers save about $11 billion a year. That's what the president wants to do. He wants to make sure that we lower costs for the American people. It's absolute nonsense, of course, right? We know that it's not going to lower costs. Look at California, the state with the highest poverty level in the nation and the most energy efficient. That's not a coincidence. Those things go hand in hand. There are people living in energy poverty in California under what Jennifer Hernandez has called the new green Jim Crow. Blacks and Hispanics living in poverty because they're paying 30, 40% of their income on this energy that the elites and the super rich push for energy efficiency to save the planet at the expense of the working class. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's a great point about California in terms of, in terms of the right? bifurcation there. Yeah, for sure. It's good to see you as always. Thank you. Call it a modern-day prohibition. One politician blames pizza ovens for carbon emissions. Could new regulation put your favorite pizzeria... Out of business and up in smoke. News Nation is getting. Show me that smile. Show me that smile. Different strokes it takes. Different strokes it takes. Different strokes to move the world. There you have the facts of life. The facts of life. What will we do, baby? Okay, do you sense a theme here? Your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place. Rewind TV. Just go to rewindtv.com and check it out. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary Rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition. And Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, Pulmonary Rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. This is McGruff the Crime Dog, and I need you to help me take a bite out of crime. Counterfeit products are popping up everywhere. If you think buying them is harmless, think again. Counterfeits are usually made with hazardous and even lethal ingredients that could harm you and others. And the money you paid, it goes right into the hands of criminals. Remember, if you don't know where the products came from, how could you know where the money goes? You're smart. Buy smart. Go for real. Learn more at McGruffPSA.org. This message is brought to you by the United States Patent and Trademark Office and the National Crime Prevention Council. How is it drive to school? Let me tell you. I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. 
Visit StopTechStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What if one day you went to your secret hiding place, and instead of what you came for, you found a phone number? 1-800-662-HELP. What would you do? Would you stop and give it some thought? Before drugs take their toll on you and your family, know that there is help. You can quit. For help with drug use, call 1-800-662-HELP for free and confidential information and treatment referral. Or go to samhsa.gov slash know the risks. Anywhere. Download MyQ and get connected. Enjoy, guys. Oh my gosh, have you tried the chips and salsa here? A message from Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous. I came to Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous overweight and depressed. I was dieting, binging, stealing food, and lying about it for years. For help, call 781-932-6300 or visit foodaddicts.org. I knew I had a weight problem. I didn't know I was addicted to food. The FA program gave me a healthy body. I'm free from obsessing about my weight or food. Call FA 781-932-6300 or visit us on our website at foodaddicts.org. My name is DeMar Hamlin. I play for the Buffalo Bills, and I play safety. CPR saved my life. I've teamed up with the American Heart Association as a national ambassador to help create a nation of lifesavers, turning bystanders into lifesavers through CPR education and access to AEDs. Nearly three out of four cardiac arrests that don't happen in hospitals happen in homes. Join me to ensure everyone has the chance to live longer, healthier lives. Visit heart.org slash nation. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT, G-O-A-T Acronym Stands for Greatest of All Time As in Spaghetti Sandwiches for Dinner They're my fave Dad, you're the GOAT You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. When it comes to a gun suicide attempt, all it takes is a moment. Heather and I had an argument just like any other couple. I was lost. I had snapped. I had a gun, and I was going to take my own life. Heather helped me realize that there was still a life to live. For the better of myself, my family, my weapon is now safely put away. A moment of crisis can happen to anyone. Store your guns, locked, unloaded, and away from ammo. Hear more safe stories at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. Sling. First came gas stoves, now it's pizza ovens. The New York City Department of Environmental Protection says restaurants using coal and wood-fired pizza ovens must cut emissions by 75%. Evidently, the emissions from these pizza ovens is terrible. So roughly 100 restaurants would have to install $20,000 filtration systems and then maintain them. City doesn't care what messing with the ovens does to the taste of the pizza. Here's the mayor. We don't want to hurt businesses in the city and we don't want to hurt the environment. You know, I think uh, nothing is more clearer to all of us is what uh, this environment is going through after uh, two weeks ago with the fire. That smoke is the type of smoke that we're talking about. So let's see if we can find a way to get the resolutions we're looking for. That type of smoke that we're talking about, I think, is a reference to pizza ovens causing forest fires in Canada that we saw the smoke over in New York a couple of weeks ago, but I don't know. With us now, owner of Paulie G's Pizzeria in New York, Paulie G. Uh, himself. All right, you, you've got a coal or wood-fired pizza oven in here. You think that is the city going to help you pay for this because they think it's so important? See, I think that's a great idea. Um, we have a ferry here, two blocks from us, okay? And it costs $4 to take that ferry. But um, the cost for each passenger is over $10 based on the study they did. So it's being supplemented, you know, by the government. And the same thing, you have many bikes now, now so that people aren't driving their automobiles. And I know that the city doesn't pay for all of those city bikes. And I think that if we're going to have that kind of mandate with equipment that's over $20,000 now, I paid for mine pre-pandemic $20,000. And I just spoke with the owner of uh, the company that uh, produces some of these, and it's gone up $4,000. And, you know, for someone, I would, if I was going to open up a pizzeria today, I would not open up a wood-fired, a coal 
fired pizzeria because Tell of that extra cost. That's almost yeah. twice as much as the oven I, I installed. I, I have to admit, admit I'm biased. Whenever I have an opinion on a story, I try to be clear about it. I cook over wood for when I cook pizzas. I love wood-fired pizzas. You get that. You get a different taste. What what makes your pizzas so special, and why having your oven makes such a difference? My my oven has to run at a thousand degrees for my pizza to taste the way I want it to taste. Okay? And even after installing this device, it still does. You can come in, you can try my pizza. Come in during the week when the, there are a few more seats available, but you need a high temperature. And I'm still able to get that. So it's, it's not that, it's, it's the expense that's the issue. Okay, yeah, I mean, the, the, the expense is real though. You gotta raise your prices and, and raise them on everybody else. I'm curious, you know, you think about these bans, New York citizens on gas stove ban from late February, only 39% supported, 53% opposed the gas stove ban. You got, you know what comes out of these pizza ovens. You've been doing this for a long time. Is the the soot or the emissions from your pizza oven really going to make a, a difference, you think, in the climate? Drop in the ocean. It's not. Now, it makes a difference to my neighbors, and, and I did it, you know, because I have people right next door here where some of the smoke was going towards their apartments. And, you know, I did that. But in terms of the environment, in terms of the climate, you know, I don't think so. There, there are other ways to accomplish that. You're All talking right. about well, 100 in total. There's hundreds of thousands of vehicles in New York. You're talking about yeah. 100 pizza ovens. Yeah, 20, as you pointed out, a lot more than 20 grand uh, a pop. All right, um, next time I'm in New York, I'm coming to have some pizza with you, all right? Talk is cheap. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be there and I'm buying some pie. We'll see you soon. Thank you. At the end of the year, the holidays are a good time to reflect. And as we look back on the past year, it is incumbent upon us to take a minute to thank you, our viewers. Without your trust in time, nothing we do or say matters. We hope your Christmas and New Year's centers around family, love, fun, food, and a little bit of football. But invariably, when it does turn to politics in the, the coming year ahead, 2024, tell your family about News Nation. Tell them why you trust us, why you think we're fair, and why you choose to spend part of your evening with us. We'll spend 2024 together. It's going to be quite a ride. Till then. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and yours. Hello, hello, I'm Chris Cuomo. It's Wednesday, we're live, so what do you say? Let's get after it. Got Colorado's decision. Is it going to impact the race? Yep. It's already being weaponized. News Nation political editor Chris Steyerwalt is here to break down the state of play. And the big man here in person, towering over me physically and intellectually with his take on the election and why he thinks the border is the big issue in the next election. 